Already battered by a price roller coaster and reduced demand in 2020, big players in Canada's oil patch have announced plans for cost-cutting or layoffs. Oil sands giant Suncor was the latest to announce changes with a planned 10-15% cut in its workforce. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10.3. I'm joined by Calgary Herald business columnist Chris Varco to discuss what's driving these moves, how deep the industry's problems go, and what it means for Alberta's economy. Don't forget you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your favorite shows. We'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Chris, before we get into some of the latest numbers about job losses in the oil patch, let's step back a little bit and talk about the first part of the year in getting us to this point. Where's the oil industry been over the last six months? Well, it has been on a roller coaster. That's the only way you can really describe what's gone on here in a very unprecedented year. We started 2020 with expectations in the oil patch. I I think of a pretty good year was going to happen. There was companies saying they were going to spend more money than they had in the previous years. Oil prices were around $60 a barrel. There was a little bit of hope that natural gas was starting to look a little brighter here in Western Canada. So the outlook was kind of buoyant. And then the COVID-19 crisis hit, and it really crushed energy demand around the world. At the same time, you had a massive fight breakout between OPEC and Russia over what kind of response they would have to this fall in demand. And that led to a nasty price war through the spring. We saw prices briefly go into negative territory. That means they were paying people to take their oil away for one brief day. And oil went from $60 all the way down to negative 37 on that one day. And then it slowly began to crawl back up into the $40 a barrel range really since June and July. And it sort of stayed there through the summer and early fall. This has left, of course, companies with many problems. One being the fact that they are hemorrhaging a lot of money, losing money on every barrel they produced. Many of them shut in production. Some of them started to uh, lay off staff, particularly that was hitting the oil field service sector because companies just simply were not drilling after the first couple of months of the year. Mm -hmm. So it's been a very tumultuous year is really the best way to put it. Has the price recovered somewhat in the last couple of months to points not necessarily as high as it was before the big crash early in the year, but have we seen prices come back up? Yeah, once we got through that sort of initial period of the economy being shut down in the early spring, then the economy began to reopen, people began to drive a little bit more, and demand started to pick up. At the same time, we had this deal finally between OPEC and Russia to cut production by up to 10 million barrels a day. It was an unprecedented cut. That pushed prices and sort of got the supply-demand balance a little more back into uh, some normal situation. Prices moved into the $40 a barrel mark, and they've kind of been just sort of mired there for the better part of about three or four months. Now, that takes us into the fall, and I think there was expectations or maybe some hopes that things would start to continue to improve. But in fact, now we're seeing that demand for oil around the world has kind of begun to level off. There's some concerns it might even begin to dip again because of fears of a second wave of the coronavirus impacting demand. Mm -hmm. So we've seen oil slip down to about $37, $38 a barrel last week. It bounced up a little bit earlier this week to $40 a barrel. So it's kind of stuck in that same position. 
We talk about fears of a second wave, the idea that fewer people may travel, fewer people may get in their cars, that a lot of people who started working from home at the beginning of the pandemic will continue working from home. And so there'll be fewer commuters on the road and less demand for gasoline, driving demand down. What does that mean for the people who work in the oil patch? Well, there's a pretty direct line here between if there is less demand for gasoline or less demand for jet fuel or diesel, at some point, that means the refineries have to begin to slow down their runs. That also means that oil and gas companies are seeing lower prices, lower prices at the wellhead. So they're instantly going to do things to try and preserve cash because they're losing money. And they're losing a lot of money when oil is only at 10 or $20 a barrel. Nobody's making money at that stage. So they begin to cut their capital spending. We saw here in Western Canada about $8, $9 billion cut out of capital spending very quickly. That's a huge amount. And we saw virtually no drilling activity for oil in the second quarter of the year and early into the third. And that means there's direct job losses in the drilling sector, in the, you know, all the other ancillary services, the trucking, you know, the fracking, all those sort of things that are required to make this industry go. Those jobs really started to dry up. And that takes us up to the last couple of weeks where you're starting to see major players in the oil patch offload jobs. What companies are we talking about and what kind of numbers are we talking about? Well, what we're seeing now is that the layoffs and the cuts have really moved into what I would say is the larger ENP players around the world. I think what has happened here is that there was hope that prices were going to bounce back and if you know if they could just sort of hunker down and manage their balance sheets for a while that they could get through this, but that's not going to be the case. I think they all realize this is going to be, you know, a lower for longer price run than what they originally expected. So you've seen the likes of Royal Dutch Shell announce uh, last week it was going to lay off, I believe, 9,000 people worldwide. We've seen similar big cuts from BP back in June, 10,000 cuts. We saw layoffs at Chevron Corporation, at uh, Marathon Petroleum Corp, the big U.S. refiner. So that trend has been happening around the world, and it is obviously now filtering through here into Canada. We saw pipeline giant TC Energy confirm last week that it has restructured its Canadian natural gas operations. It laid off an unspecified number of people. And then the big hit was obviously Suncor Energy. The oil sands giant announced last Friday that they're going to be looking at cuts of up to 2,000 people. So they'll cut their staff by 5% within the next six months. And then those cuts will go up to about 10 to 15% within the next 18 months. What's driving it? Is it just a, a demand issue, a production and price issue? Is it related to the idea that some of these companies, especially these big companies, might look to automate their production or move into alternative sources of energy? What factors are at play in these big company job losses? I would say all of the above. If you're taking a look at some of the larger super majors like Royal Dutch Shell or BP, you know, they're trying to deal with the fact that they've been losing money, that oil prices and gas prices are low, that there's an expectation that maybe demand won't come back as fast as they were hoping. And there's even some projections from BP and some other players that we may have already hit peak oil demand. We may not recover to the 100 million barrels a day of demand that we saw at the end of 2019, or that if we do see demand come up, it's going to peak sooner than they originally anticipated. So that's one of the big factors going on. Obviously, the low oil prices 
has led to some big losses. I mean, if you look at Suncor, they posted net losses of more than $4 billion for the first six months of the year. You've seen their share price in most of these companies really get beat up. Let's take a look at Suncor for a second. They began the year around $42 for their stock on the Toronto Stock Exchange. It fell down to $15 by the middle of March when the lockdown occurred. Right now, it's trading around $16. So you can see they've really been impacted. Then there's these other factors about some companies like BP and Shell are starting to move towards more renewables. That's where they see their future. And I think more generally, all companies are realizing that the producers that are going to survive have to be the low-cost producer. You have to be able to survive in a low-cost, in a low-carbon world. And we're seeing them look at more things like AI, digitization. You know, up in the oil sands, everybody knows the iconic image of those giant trucks yeah. that move the oil back and forth. Well, those are being automated now. And if you automate those, that means you require less people. So there's a number of factors that are all pushing these companies in the same direction. And that's why they're all beginning to lay off people all around the same time. Do you get the sense there was a lot of concern in industry that when the federal government released its throne speech last month, that there'd be a big talk of a green fresh start or, you know, a green recovery? And is there relief that that wasn't as much a factor in the throne speech? For the companies that I spoke with, what they were really were just hoping to hear was a signal that the government of Canada sees this industry as an important industry going forward, that maybe even it's a growth industry in terms of jobs, in terms of capital investment, and that the government wanted to see that happen. And so they just wanted some sort of positive message as opposed to maybe anything specific in terms of tax relief or anything like that. I think that's really what the hope was. They kind of got that when the throne speech talked about a future for energy and all energy sources, but it wasn't directly about oil and gas. I think most of them were feeling rather neutral about the throne speech, to be honest. What does this all mean for the Alberta government and the strength of the Alberta economy? Well, you have to simply look at the fact that this is still the largest industry by far in this province. More than 25% of the GDP is tied to it. Tens of thousands of jobs are tied to it right across the province. It's an employer not just in the big cities, but in the small communities. It's a big employer and it drives all kinds of things from, like I say, trucking firms to restaurants and hotels when work crews go into it. You know, this cannot be underestimated in terms of the kind of impact it's going to have. And we've seen that in all the projections for the economy. The biggest one-year drop on record, or certainly in modern record, is, is what's anticipated. It's going to be a tough year for the Alberta government more specifically the royalty levels are really going to be impacted, which is going to lead to a record loss for the government of Alberta in this year. And even with the Alberta government, you're seeing some moves to diversify the kind of energy or the kind of output for its energy products. We want to be an exporter of hydrogen. We want to get more involved in plastics, these kind of things. How important is it that the province starts changing gears here? I think it's important for a number of different reasons. One is the fact that if you want to be an energy supplier, you've got to provide the world with the energy that it demands. And the world is not just looking for one source necessarily, but they're looking for multiple kinds of energy, whether it's oil, whether it's natural gas, whether it's hydrogen. So Alberta wants to continue to be in that position where it can supply the world with all kinds of energy. Diversification is obviously a big issue. You want to have a future for jobs. You also need a future for government royalties. And then I think there's also the sense that you've got to write a narrative to the rest of the country, to the people in your province, to the rest of the world, that we are changing, that things are evolving within the industry, that the industry itself is trying to reduce 
greenhouse gas emissions, that it's trying to use less energy in the production of the energy that it actually makes. So I think this is important from a number of fronts that the government be proactively seen to be trying to position itself for the future. Now, we've seen companies like Suncor, like Shell, talk about cutting costs or cutting staff. Are there other companies where the other shoe is still to drop here? You know, it's always tough to predict what's going to happen, but all these sort of analysts and the people within the industry I've spoke to say that they fully expect that there's going to be more layoffs or more job cuts. As one person said it to me, is that when your peers began making moves and they began cutting staff, you're facing the exact same pressures and the price signals that they are. And so you better start looking around within your own organization as well, or your board of directors and your management is going to be wondering what's going on. And I guess the other unknown factor here is the importance of pipelines and production capacity and rail. How important is it that there's movement on Keystone XL south of the border? And how quickly do we need to see some kind of bigger construction on the Trans Mountain pipeline? Both of those pipelines are important for the Canadian industry. If in the future, the industry wants to grow its production above where it is now, it needs more pipeline capacity. Pipelines can get you to the best markets in the world, can get you to better pricing. Uh, it also is cheaper and it's safer. So there's multiple reasons of why you'd want the Trans Mountain Project, for instance, to go ahead, because that means you can get oil from the oil sands to the West Coast, and then you can move it into multiple markets at better pricing. You would want to see Keystone XL go ahead if you're in the industry, because that gets you down to the U.S., Gulf Coast, which is sort of the largest refining area, and there's a huge demand for heavy oil, and that's exactly what Canada produces. So pipelines are still a big issue. And even though right now in the short term, because the industry has crimped production, we're much more closely in the balance, there still is way more productive capacity in Western Canada than there is pipeline space. And for the future, now I'm talking, you know, in the next sort of two, three, four, five years, and maybe up to 10 years, you're only going to get companies willing to invest if they can see that there's enough market access for them to get their product into the marketplace efficiently and effectively. Conversely, if you don't have enough pipeline capacity, you're going to remain constrained. You're going to have crimp capital spending, even expansion projects. Uh, sort of brownfield projects, as they called, you know, won't necessarily go ahead until we can resolve that issue. I was at a conference last week and somebody had said to me that the issue of peak demand is important, but it's not as important for Canada as the issue of market access. Well, it certainly is interesting and challenging times for the industry. Chris, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. 10.3 is produced by Carson Jarama, theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Chris Varco. More from him at calgaryherald.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.